Hello team, welcome to the February session of our sales training for mortgage champions. We're going to be talking today about grinding it out on the sales gridiron. Key strategies to help you win in February of 2022. Figured seeing this is Super Bowl week, we might as well go ahead and go with that theme. So excited to teach you how to really succeed in this marketplace today. All right, team, we're talking in the Super Bowl theme. Let's talk about one of the greatest uh, coaches of all time, Vince Lombardi. And what he said about winning, he said, winning is not a sometime thing. It is an all-the-time thing. You don't do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. I've never known a person worth their salt who, in the long run, deep down in their heart, didn't appreciate the grind and the discipline. Look, one of the things that we hit every single month in these training sessions is the importance of consistency, uniformity, discipline. And in 2022, it's never been more important than it is right now. Because frankly, as I've mentioned many times with this rising rate market and all the things going on, we've got to make sure we've got our absolute A game. And what I want to do today is I really want to key in on what I think are some key areas uh, that are that are kind of areas I see a lot of struggles in um, as I work with you guys, areas that, that I see you know across the nations, I work with other loan officers they're struggling with. And, you know, these are just, these are not necessarily completely related. They're just a couple of different areas that I think are important to kind of fill in and backfill the things we've covered in previous weeks. This is also based on, you know, not just my observations, but talking to your leaders and getting feedback from them on what they're seeing are some of the challenges. So everything I'm going to cover today is really based on, uh, the combination of both what your leaders see internally and what I'm seeing externally as we go out there today. So let's start with the first one, the first strategy, that speed wins games. I thought it'd be good to put Cooper Cup up there, seeing he was the number one receiver in the NFL this year and uh, kind of a great representation of this. And, and I want to talk about the importance of speed and responsiveness. But here's what I want to do. I want to give you some new information and data. There was recently a Velocify study that came out. Uh, they call it the Velocify by Ellie Mae's Ultimate Borrower Communication Strategy for Mortgage Lenders. And you'll notice, based on this, it is based on more than 32 million borrower prospects that have been entered into their lead manager system. Um, it's based on 60 million prospect calls, 28 million emails, 11 million texts, and 5 million voicemails. So really good data. You know, Velocify did a study about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago that we've used a lot of the information for in the past when we trained you. But with this new study, I think it was important that we update that and give you some ideas. Now, again, these are just recommendations from Velocify, who is a top CRM in the industry, based on data from all these people. So the data is very, very accurate. It may not match completely to our internal current system that we use, but it's, it's good things for you to know. It's things you want to apply. And it may be things I'll be talking to your management team about maybe modifying in our approach. So let's start first with contact cadence. Um, and I thought I'd start with Jamar Chase, another another guy who's pretty darn fast with the Cincinnati Bengals. You've seen him in the Super Bowl along with Cooper Cup coming up here um, this weekend. But number one is, you know this, you got to contact your prospects, your referrals as soon as you possibly can. That's just absolutely critical that you do that. Now, speed to prospect is a major driver of conversion. We know that. 
Um, that really makes a difference in today's marketplace that is so incredibly competitive. The key here is, Velocify found that contacting your prospect within one minute of inquiry increased the conversion by 2.3 times. Now that was down from, uh, I believe it was 4.7 times in the past. And part of that's just because of the competition out there. By the way, let me give you this statistic. Just saw a statistic that 92% of consumers who work with a mortgage lender will work with one of the first two companies they work with in 92% of the time. That means you got to get there. You can't be the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh person calling. Game is over. We got to get there quick. So if we get there right away, it's 2.3 times faster, and that's critical. The goal here is to contact the prospect before the competition. And remember, speed demonstrates a high level of service, high level of attention, and a high level of professionalism. And I want you to look at this chart because I think it's so powerful. You'll see again almost a 230% increase if you call in the first minute. If you go to 30 minutes, it's only 150%, 1.5 times. Go to an hour, it's about 0.7 times. And you go to 12 hours, it's gone. You're flatlined. You really just get you know the, the, the basic same thing as you call 24, 36, or 48 hours. <clears throat> so we want to make sure that we're calling within the first minute. In addition to that, you want to apply the 3-5 principle. Now, that's different from the 3-6 principle. You'll see why in just a minute that we've taught you in the past. And the 3-5 principle is simply a three-day call sequence with a five-call minimum. That's really what you want to focus on over the first three days. It showed that 96% in their study of converted leads happen by the fifth call attempt now, only 1% convert after that. So you can see in the second study versus the first study, people are making decisions faster because they're getting hit so much, they're pulling out of the market. So you've got five opportunities to get to them. The highest conversion rates were actually achieved when the second call was made between four to four and a half hours after the initial inquiry. So you call within a minute, call within four to four and a half hours again. And the third call, four hours either later the same day, if possible, or uh, four hours would be into the next day if you're going to a second day. And although five call attempts, and they wrote this in their study, is the optimum number overall, generationally, the average number of contacts required to reach the prospect increase with the prospect's age. So millennials needed about four calls, Gen Xers and boomers, five calls, and silent generation, six calls. So you can see as the ages increase, the number of calls that's necessary also increases. And again, that best conversion rate was achieved when the second call was made between four to four and a half hours after the lead is created. So you can see the numbers on the chart and how powerful they are. You're really at your optimization of 40% right at that four to four and a half hours. You get out to seven, eight hours and look what happens. It's, it's going backwards on you. It's really important that we are maximizing our opportunities. Then we want to make a minimum of two calls in the days to be able to get to that 3-5 principle. And we want to call at time of inquiry on subsequent days. So when I call, I get my lead, I get my referral, I call them right away, okay? As soon as I get that, and it doesn't matter where that lead came from, remember that, okay? No matter how you get that lead, speed to lead is critical, speed to referral is critical, speed to prospect is critical. Whatever you want to call that, it is critical, 
Because here's what you need to understand. No matter how they generated that, if you don't get to them, they're online, they're going, they're seeing somebody else. So you want to make sure that you are getting with them. Get with them again in the first day. And if you don't catch them in that first day, then look at what time they applied or what time they uh, really generated that. And that's when you want to get to them on the second day as one of the cadence points. And then always leave value-based voicemails. We've talked about this in the past. Don't leave the, hey, I'm calling about your mortgage refinance or your mortgage purchase. I don't want you to say that to them. What I want you to do is I want you to call them. I want you to make sure that you're introducing yourself. I want you to make sure you're hitting immediately to the benefits. Hey, the reason I'm calling, I want to show you five ways that I can save you money. Boom. Get right into your benefits presentation. Get it out as quick as you can. Make sure your voicemail is not more than 30 seconds long. Not only is that better for the customer, but that allows you to make more voicemails, get more calls in during the course of the day. You're not wasting as much time. And then be sure you're super enthusiastic and personal. You're competing with other voicemails. So you want to make sure you are the most enthusiastic, energetic, confident, dynamic person they hear from. Look, your voice tone, your attitude is going to make a difference. And use those monetary benefits like I talked about and also utilize those curiosity hooks. In other words, one of the things I would be talking about today is the fact that not only you're providing benefits, but rates are changing fast. You want to get them as quick as you can because you want to make sure that you're taking advantage of the lowest rates possible. Now, it's not that I'm making it about rate here. It's a hook. It's a curiosity hook. It's a get and move. And remember, no more than two voicemails in a day. Typically, I want to see one voicemail a day unless it's somebody that, you know, we got to today and we missed them. We want to give a second voicemail. We want to be sure that we are, are, are a little bit more assertive in this marketplace because it's just so packed. I mean, if you made a third call, you'd be all right. You, you, you can't really overcall unless you're doing like some of these companies that are calling 16 times in a day, which is ridiculous. So remember, Two voicemails left after the first and third call, according to the study, get the highest conversion rates. So you want to make sure that first call, leave a voicemail. Third call, leave a voicemail. That tends to be what seems to be the best. In fact, what they went on to say was prospects who received two voicemails on five attempted calls had the highest conversion rates at 36%. With that rate dropping substantially with each additional voicemail. So if you leave four, five, six voicemails, you're going to turn them off. That's what's going to happen. So while multiple calls are key to conversion, multiple calls, multiple voicemail messages across the line in the borrower's mind between persistence and harassment of many times. Now, if you're getting a referral or, 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 or a lead from somebody you know or from a referral source, you can leave a couple more voicemails because you've got a vested interest connection with that. Otherwise, you got to be careful. And then, be sure you also execute that boomerang call. Don't forget about that. That's really key. So after you leave your voicemail, then make sure you try them back one more time. Just dial them back in. Don't leave a message again on that one. Just see if they answer. Remember, those boomerang calls are powerful. And then send your follow-up emails. Up to five of them is the max you want to do. Day one, two emails they're recommending. The first sent 20 minutes after initial contact. That would be the optimum, according to their study. Days three, four, and six, one email each. Again, optimum. Remember, if this isn't exactly what your policy is right now, 
we, we may decide to change policy down the road. I'm trying to give you an idea of the importance of cadence and the importance of consistency and persistence. And again, these are based on 60 million uh, opportunities they looked at at Velocify. So it's really good data. It tells us a lot. And then include your application link into these so that uh, they can you know, submit an application online with you in those scenarios. Now, I want to remind you again that conversion rates increase with every additional email sent up to five. After five, really isn't a whole lot of benefit anymore is what they found in their study. So calling quickly, then following up with an email is perceived as much more personal than an email that arrives before contact is attempted. And I thought this was interesting. I've always done it this way anyway, and I've always taught it this way. But they actually confirmed that if you call them, then email, that is more personal than email and then call. And although five emails is the optimum number, most lenders only email prospects twice during a two-week contact time frame. So look, your competition is not doing their job. You do your job. You're going to win big in the process. And then if you can, if it's allowed, if the policy allows it, send a brief text. And if you can put an application link on that, that's a great way to do it too. So you just have to look at your compliance rules and regulations to make sure that's okay. I thought this was a pretty cool point, as counterintuitive as it may seem. The older generations are the prospects who have the most favorable response to texting and to technology in general. That's, I thought that was really interesting because everybody would think the millennials, they're, they're probably the ones, the Gen Xers are probably the ones that are more wanting the technology. It actually turns out my generation is the ones that are more apt to text and technology, believe it or not. And then if there's no response after the first three days, leave messages on day 14 and 35 as your follow-up. Generally, what that means is if you haven't contacted them in three days, they may be with someone else. Now, I would keep going till day five, as we talked about earlier. And if you don't have by day five, you know, leave that ultimatum that we've talked about, but then pick back up day 14, day 35. That's the optimum they talk about. You want to hit those because there might be opportunities there. And then this is just the whole call strategy kind of laid out. Zero to one minute, you get a 79% higher conversion rate, 41% increase then at four to four and a half hours, 85% increase at eight to nine hours, 24% higher conversion if you call on day three, then day 14, 31, day 35, 103. And that's because people just bag out. They decide that they're not going to do anything. And that's where you end up. All right. So here's the second strategy. Reading the defense is part of every good offense. I had to put a Tom Brady in there seeing he retired. And sorry, I went with it. If you're a Tampa Bay fan with Tom Brady, I'm sorry. I kind of think of him as a Patriots instead of as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But you got to read your defense. Now, what am I talking about here? Credit analysis. I want to spend some time talking about this. This is so critical. In fact, we're going to do our tutorial this month on how to really scrub a credit report powerfully. But I want to give you some key tips here because – I think we underestimate the power of a credit report. So the credit report is the most underutilized selling tool that we have. And, and I'm going to teach you that in detail when we get in the tutorial. It provides a true picture of the borrower's habits, the borrower's history, and the borrower's lifestyle. It really tells you an awful lot about them and who they are. It also provides an understanding of their debt. Look, I keep saying it to you, and I'm going to keep saying it to you all year long. This is a debt elimination market. Rates are rising. So it doesn't matter if you're doing a refi or a purchase. And the refi side, debt elimination is all about helping them increase payment reduction, increase cash out, you know, without increasing their payment, and helping them to get term reduction. On the purchase side, it's all about affordability and improving that or improving their buying power. We have got to be really on every single deal we get 
looking at their debt. What it really does is when you get that credit report pulled, just go and look, is there any debt on there? Because if there is, it creates an opportunity for differentiation through your options by utilizing that leverage principle, that 10 to 4 principle that we talked about last month that is so powerful. And they got 20,000, then it's 24, 8, if, <laughs> and the numbers go on. It's just that simple. It also provides a true picture of the borrower's rate sensitivity. Look, let me tell you this about a credit report, all right? You got a borrower telling you they're super rate sensitive and you pull up the credit report and they've got a string of high rate credit cards as long as your arm, they are not that rate sensitive. Let me tell you that right now. You can tell me that rate matters to you wholeheartedly, but I'm going to know by your credit report what your credit history is, what your buying histories are, what your lifestyle is, whether you buy expensive or not expensive, whether you're high debt, low debt, whether you're rate sensitive, not rate sensitive, I'm going to learn a lot about you. It's really a key tool for understanding your borrower. And the ascent, it is essential to understanding the right product and the right rate for your customers. Because remember, their credit score is going to dictate their rate. It will also dictate their product that you're going to choose for them. And you want to make sure that you understand that it conveys the borrower's true financial well-being. No matter what they tell you, you get a credit report in your hand, you're going to have a really good idea of how they're handling their finances. All right, here's the third thing. You have to convert to win. You just do. Robbie Gold kicked a game-winning kick during the playoffs against Green Bay Packers. He had to make it, or they're out of the playoffs. Well, turned out they didn't make it anyway to the Super Bowl, but they still made it to the national championship, or, or I should say the divisional championship. And you know what? It was because he converted he, he didn't let anybody else take it. So let's talk about some things that create conversions. Talk about some sales proficiency points. Number one, do not quote rates when you don't have credit verification. I am hearing this on too many calls. We shouldn't be quoting rates when we got a complete application. I've told you that a million times. But I'm still seeing in some cases where we are. And, you know, somewhere at the end of the conversation in the initial call, well, I'm seeing them where we don't even have a credit pulled yet, and yet we're quoting a borrower rate. How can we possibly do that? When we do that, we have no idea what their rates are because we have no idea what their credit score is. you got to get that credit report to look at that score to know what it is and know what the rate's going to be. And do not preempt what borrowers want. In other words, don't, don't preempt them to think, oh, well, if they can't lower the rate, they don't want it, or if they don't get the lowest rate, they don't want it, or... You know, don't be thinking, oh, well, they want a short term and maybe they don't want a short term. I am a fan, as you well know, and a huge proponent of giving shorter term offers and options. But the key is options. I'm not going to, just because I love short term, I'm not going to tell the borrower that they have to go into a 20 year or they have to go into a 25 year or I think they should do a 15 year. I'm going to hear what they have to say. If they ask me for a 30 year loan and the lowest rate, they're always going to ask me for the lowest rate. I'm fine with that, and I'm going to say, okay, great. Let me see what I can do for you. Let me get some information, get your application. We've got ex excellent rates, super competitive. I won't know what it is until so I take some information. I'm then going to take that application. I'm then going to start looking at their credit and their income and their, the opportunity there, 
And now what I'm going to do is now I'm going to create options for them. Okay. I can show you a 30 year loan. Here's a 25 year loan. Here's a 20 year loan. Here's a 15 year loan. Show them different options, work them through that. And do not quote options without a complete application. I'm seeing too many cases where we're starting to quote rates, quote options, where we don't have all the information, and then we're messing those things up with wrong information. And let me tell you, you misquote a rate, you misquote fees, because you didn't get far enough in the application to understand what you were talking about, you lose complete credibility with your borrowers. That's a serious mistake we don't want to make. And do not confuse your customers. Do not talk all that mortgage terminology and jargon that confuses them and be assumptive with them. What are they expecting at the end? Well, they're expecting to work with you. That's what they're expecting. They're expecting great service. They're expecting you to provide a great offer. They're expecting you to treat them like royalty. That's what they're expecting. So meet their expectations and make sure you understand what they want by asking the right question and then just follow up with them until the end and until that deal closes. It's just that simple. These are the things you need to do to really build a great sales process. And these are just some gaps and things we haven't covered in previous sessions that I'm noticing out there today that I don't want you to make these mistakes. All right. Now let's talk about how the right play can change the game. I had to put it up. It's what's called the Minnesota Miracle. It's my Minnesota Vikings, who I've been a fan for over 50 years and still waiting on a Super Bowl, but <laughs> still, still waiting at the altar. But you know what? Greatest moment in Viking history in my book was when Stefan Diggs, a couple years back, caught about an 80-yard pass to uh, the defenders collided on the last play of the game, and we made it to the, the division championship. Well, I'm talking about product education here. You got to know your products inside and out. I've been talking to a lot of top producers uh, lately, really spending time understanding what are some of the key things that really make a difference. And the number one universal thing they all say is know your products, know your products, know your products, know your products. So I'm going to tell you, know your products. And always offer alternative product options. Don't, don't, just, don't just sell Fannie or Freddie or VA or FHA. Give them, you know, give them different options. So you show them. And one of those options you want to consider now with rates up is the ARM options that you have available. This can really work well in this marketplace. You know, ARMs have really not been a player in the mortgage business because the rates have been so low. When you're in a really low rate market, there's very little difference in margin between an arm and a fix. So it makes no sense to even talk arms in those marketplaces because a fix is a better general product. It's more conservative. Bottom line is it's not worth talking about until you start to get higher rates and it creates a much bigger spread. Now we're seeing a good spread between fixed rates and adjustable rates across the country. So what we want to do is when we get a customer that we're talking to and we need to get that debt ratio down or we need to get more affordability on that home purchase or we need to get you know bigger buying power, an arm might be the right answer for that customer. Here's the key to it. You're not selling anything. You're simply going to offer options. So a couple things about ARMS. It is ideal for transient customers who are moving consistently or those who plan to move before the expiration of the ARM. And that's the key. I want to know 
before I offer an arm, I want to make sure that I'm giving them the different arm options. And ideally, they are not going to be there when the arm adjusts. Now, that doesn't mean it might not still make sense, depending on how many years there are and how much the adjustment is. But what I've generally tried to do is, if I've got somebody who's going to be there for three years, I'm looking at a five-year. If they're going to be there five years, I'm looking at a seven-year. And if they're going to be there for seven years, I might be looking at a 10-year if I've got that product available. The bottom line is, you want to make sure that you are thinking about this with those kinds of customers. Remember, it can create a substantial payment difference for your borrowers. So even if they're not going to move, if they plan to refinance it, then that could take them out of it before the arm adjusts. The only problem with that is we don't know what rates are going to do down the road, but you, you can still show them the savings for the years that may be substantial to offset that. And it can also help with affordability or customers need more purchase power, like I talked about a moment ago. The bottom line is never, ever sell an arm. I'm not a believer in that. Don't, don't you be pushing an arm on them just because it's low rate. I see a lot of loan officers do this in rise rate markets. Well, you know what? Here's what I'd recommend. Don't go with a fixed. Go with an adjustable. Well, wait a minute. This borrower might be there the rest of their life. And if that's the case, that might help them in the short term. It's kind of like a 30-year loan. might help them in the short term, but it doesn't help at all in the long term. I always, you always want to give our borrowers what's best for them in the long term. So make sure that you're selling this the right way. And always present both the pros and the cons. Here's the good things about the arm, bad things about the arm. Here's the good things about the fix, bad things about the fix. Always give those and you're going to be in a much better position. If you sell your products well, you're going to win big. Chuck Knoll said this. He said, if you want to win, do the ordinary things better than anyone else does them day in and day out. All right. Now, let's talk about the last strategy, and that's you have to know the playbook to win. And what playbook am I talking about? The purchase playbook. I want you to have a major purchase focus in this market that is shifting to purchase. We're still going to do refis whenever we can, but it's a purchase-focused market. So the market is shifting to a more purchase-heavy volume. We know that. Remember, the NBA is forecasting $1.74 trillion in purchases, highest purchase year in history, with a 63% drop in refi. So we want to skew our mix as much as we can to purchase. And purchase transactions are more stable than refis. If you don't know that, you need to know that. They're a more stable product. Why are they more stable? Because customers, once they get in the purchase process, they don't tend to mess around, cancel, and go with other lenders. They tend to stick with it because you've got other parties involved. We're in the refi transaction. You know what happens. The bar is in a refi. They're a weekend. They get solicited by somebody else, and they just flippantly go over there. That doesn't generally happen in the purchase market because they're already in process. They're already working through to a contract date. That contract makes all the difference. So they're much more stable products. And... They're highly emotional transactions. Remember, a purchase is the most emotional because it's a new house. It's our next home. It's a bigger transaction, typically, because they're moving out of another home generally, or they're moving out of rental, and they're going to be a first-time buyer. Super exciting, super emotional. Your first home is something you never forget as long as you live. So that also makes it more stable and more connected to you, and it offers a steady stream of income. Remember that because it's going all the time. You've got strong income through that, and it is important 
that you immediately build a relational connection with your customers. Why? Because it's an emotional transaction. So don't just get on the phone and just talk about their down payment and their term and the, the purchase price and all of the details. Ask them about their home. Ask them about the schools. Ask them about the community. Connect with them right away on a relational level. It's going to make a difference. And understand the what, the when, and the why about their purchase transaction. Super important. Then, always make that immediate relational connection. Determine the market conditions and closing date needs right out of the gate. It's important you're asking them immediately what are property values doing in your market so you can kind of get a handle on how much negotiation, how much bidding wars are going on. Find out what kind of closing date they're looking for to make sure it's realistic and you can meet that. And then take time to understand the customer's affordability. That means digging into a budget sometimes. That means really spending time with them on the income, making sure their debt ratio is okay. You want to make sure you know that well because you don't want to put them in a home they can't afford and always inquire about the consumer debt. Remember that? Talked earlier about the credit report. You want to make sure you're looking at the consumer debt, making sure that whatever down payments they have, if it can be better used to pay down debt versus to pay down on that mortgage, be ready to give them that advice. And dig into the why and the what of the down payment. This is a major differentiation opportunity. In other words, you know, why are they putting 10%, 15%, 20%, 5% down? And what exactly are they trying to accomplish to that? Because you, again, may be able to leverage and work with them on other options to show them for down payment. And in that, you also want to discuss any MI alternatives and options that you have to eliminate MI, to provide, you know, lender paid MI, whatever options you have available, products are changing all the time as we know, whatever you can do to minimize mortgage insurance is going to be powerful in those purchase transactions. And then understand both the short and the long-term goals for really giving them the proper term and the proper product when you're selling a loan. That is absolutely key. And educate your borrowers on the pre-approval Make sure they know you want to get a full income, full application, you know, as much documentation as possible so you make them a stronger buyer to the seller. Make sure you're talking to them about how to make a strong offer and discuss with them things like earnest money so you educate them and show them things they may not know with anybody else. And then lastly, utilize your realtor connection and make that contact. It's really important that you're calling that realtor for your buyer to present that offer and you're calling the realtor for the seller once you have the contract to make sure that you're building credibility, building relationship, and making sure you're protecting your deal. The bottom line is, if you do these things, you're going to win big. All right, so coming up this month in February, uh, you're going to have uh, the Ask Dale Anything uh, coming up next week. 
Uh, I am actually in Mexico this week. That's why we pre-recorded. I am celebrating my 30th wedding anniversary with my bride, Laurel. Uh, super excited about that and uh, hopefully <laughs> enjoy some warm weather. Um, but we will have, I will be back for the SCL Anything and be in our normal week uh, that we do it just like this was pre-recorded so we could have this in our normal week and not have you guys wait till I got back. We'll also be producing the tutorial in that week that you will get on credit scrubs. And I'm going to do a tutorial too on, um, you know, one of the questions that, that you guys have asked me multiple times now is the whole situation where a borrower's, you know, in, uh, paying off consumer debt and then saying, I don't want to do it for, you know, X number of years. I'm going to show you how to overcome that objection, show you a formula for that. It's really cool. You're going to love that. So that'll also be available in February. And then we just did our fifth podcast uh, with Logan Matashami. You really want to catch this. Uh, Rob West, by the way, was the fourth one. He's also a great interview just on personal finances and how to work with um, financial planners. Um, if you want to have anybody you know in a financial planning role that you want to connect with. But the Logan Matashami one, he is uh, the chief analyst for Housing Wire probably one of the top three most knowledgeable guys in the nation when it comes to the market, interest rates, inventory, housing, uh, the economy, all that stuff. We had a great conversation. Uh, and and, and it, it isn't one of those where it's so data-driven that you won't understand it. I, I, we actually simplify it down. I make sure that we talk about, from your perspective, uh, as an originator, um, you know, what do you need to know about this marketplace? He's very bullish on the market, which is great news. And we had a great conversation about uh, America and the American dream. Now, housing really is so unique in our, our country and what an advantage we have. So really great interview. Get a chance. Watch it. Uh, I think we'll get a lot out of it. All right. As always, love you guys. Uh, hope you got a lot of good tips. I know I was kind of covered different things, but I was filling in gaps on things that I've seen that we're doing wrong, that I want to make sure you're doing right, along with all the other things we're covering. And then... You're going to be um, next month treated to those uh, those top producer forums uh, that are going to really be your top producers within your company. You're going to hear from them and what they're doing and how they're succeeding in great ways. So looking forward to that. God bless you guys. Appreciate you all. Have a great, great, great uh, rest of the day and week. And I'll see you guys very soon. Thanks, guys.